Hi, welcome to the PAPSC podcast. I'm Becky Schultz and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Dave Measle and I use he, him pronouns. We're really happy to have you here with us again at another uh, episode of our podcast. Uh, we have a great guest today um, and we're both looking forward to the discussion we're going to have with our guest. Uh, so I'm going to hand it over to our guest, Diana Fulham, to introduce herself and then we'll move on and have a conversation with Diana about uh, a couple of different topics. Diana. Well, thank you so much, Becky and David, for inviting me to be on this podcast. This is my first podcast, and anybody who knows me knows that I'm really nervous the first time I do anything for the first time. I'm an individual with a, a mental health diagnosis, have received a lot of support from so many people to be able to have accomplished what I have accomplished. I've uh, been involved with um, the Pennsylvania Peer Support Coalition uh, when it was under PMHCA, which was, uh, I believe, probably prior to 2010, but I can't remember the years. It's been a long time. I was on the advisory board, actually, um, at the time for the um, Pennsylvania Peer Support Coalition, and uh, one of the one of the um, goals uh, in their strategic plan was to become a, uh, a 501c3 and uh, be on their own. So I supported that um, effort and that became a reality. And I've been involved with the, the coalition ever since in one capacity or another and started a freestanding certified peer specialist service in Lancaster County in 2010. Thanks, Diana. So yeah, I think it's a couple of those things that you touched on that we want to uh, pick your brain about uh, today. You know, maybe we can talk a little bit uh, about uh, the beginnings of the coalition, but but really what we want to talk with you about is uh, the, the provider agency that you started and then maybe some questions about some of the challenges that you're facing currently as a provider agency. Uh, but I, just to help people understand the history of the coalition a little bit more, uh, let's let's chat about that a little bit. Um, so you you touched on this. It started off under the umbrella of the Pennsylvania Mental Health Consumers Association (PMHCA), and and you were involved at that time, right? Right. Yes, I was invited to serve on the advisory board. And then, do you remember what year it was that uh, the coalition? became its own 501c3 as you touched on? Um, I'm going to take a pretty good guess at maybe 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I joined the board of the coalition right around 2012 or 2013, and it was right at that time that it was breaking away from PMHCA. Uh, so I think you're right on those on those years. And then uh, what happened at the very beginning, like when it first became a 501c3, what were some of its goals at that time? Well, um, interestingly enough, uh, whenever I was part of the advisory board and the main goal was to become a 501c3, at that time that I, I knew that was their main goal, uh, or one of the major goals in, in their strategic plan. And the strategic plan actually involved um, the advisory board and uh, 
PMHCA's board, and uh, you know, we really worked collaboratively to make this happen. But um, there was a uh, consumer-run agency in Lancaster County called the Consumer Satisfaction Team that evolved in uh, a uh, rebranding of Recovery Connections. And what it was was um, a program or a, a agency that actually went out and surveyed individuals who were receiving services from mental health providers in Lancaster County. And uh, it was um, very successful and uh, funding became very tight and it ended up that uh, there was no funding to keep it sustainable. So the board of directors at that time made a decision and I was serving on the board at that time for um, the Pennsylvania Peer Support Coalition, um, made a decision, I guess not on the Pennsylvania Peer Support Coalition, it was on the advisory board, uh, Recovery Connections offered their 501c3 to uh, develop the Pennsylvania Peer Support Coalition. So I took that back to the advisory board and PMHCA. And, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a cost. It's a lot of time and effort to create a 501c3. And here we were actually, you know, all the work had been done and uh, were greatly supported by Recovery Connections um, to, uh, to start a the uh, 501c3 for the Pennsylvania Peer Support Coalition. So that, uh, that was uh, incredible how that all worked. And the board of directors said that they, uh, for Recovery Connection, said that they would be more than happy to support that transition in whichever way they could. And, uh, and it evolved, it, it just evolved into the, into the coalition and we had a lot of work to do, you know, on the fiscal end. And like you asked, you know, what were the goals? You know, the goals were to be able to uh, bring awareness of the Pennsylvania Peer Support Coalition and what it could do uh, in supporting individuals who were, who were providing peer support services throughout Pennsylvania. And that was a huge effort for, a, a 501c3 that really just operated in one county, in Lancaster County. So um, this board of directors really, really took on a huge, huge effort. And it was, uh, it's, it was quite a ride, but you know, everybody worked together very closely, very collaboratively. And you know, here we are today you know, on a podcast. It's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, I benefited from that work. I mean, I I heard about peer specialist work in like 2013 and visited the PA Peer Support Coalition website and was like, oh, wow, I can actually do this. And this is a path for me to take. So, I mean, I wouldn't be here if you guys didn't do that. So I appreciate yeah, that it. Was, that was the vision, you know, of bringing people across the state of Pennsylvania together because there's just so much talent and skills and abilities for individuals that have a mental health diagnosis that um, go unnoticed and really trying to, you know, fit in, like, where do you fit in and, and how, how does that happen? And I really have to give the, the coalition a pat on the back for, 
you know, reaching out and, and touching so many lives. And there's so many people involved now that um, are growing and, and being given opportunities that uh, never, no one ever thought would be possible. So it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I can certainly say, you know, that, uh, I mean, your involvement with the coalition is longer than than my involvement, but uh, certainly my time with the coalition has been extremely rewarding as well. Um, and working with you and the rest of the board and now the expanded staff um, has really been an amazing experience. So thanks for kind of sharing some of that history. And it is interesting that, uh, you know, uh, what you shared about the coalition not necessarily starting from scratch and starting its own 501c3 but kind of taking over the 501c3 status of a of an organization that already existed but had lost its funding and was going to be closing its doors um i think that's a relatively unique uh process yeah unique is a great word for it dave and i think what also is unique about it is uh, for Recovery Connections at that time, uh, when the doors uh, needed to be closed, you were the executive director there. And, uh, you know, to have that connection uh, along with uh, the board of directors of Recovery Connections saying, hey, you know, we want to we want to support this cause across the state. And uh, at that time, I believe you might have I think at that time you were asked to serve on the board and, you know, you uh um, willingly, you know, took took on that challenge, which was, I'm sure, a very difficult time for you, you know, as an executive director of an organization that, uh, you know, everyone felt was going to be sustainable forever. And, uh, you know, you just kind of took it and, and uh, took the responsibility of serving on the board and, you know, again, collaborating and building relationships on the state level and, you know, then getting the uh, the opportunity, the grant to write uh, the crisis training, develop the crisis training, which is the first training for the, the Pennsylvania Peer Support Coalition. And you were right there, right in, you, you were exactly what the, what the coalition needed and still needs. But, yeah. Well, thank you. So let's shift gears a little bit, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you did after, well, I, I guess not after, but uh, in your professional life, you know, you were kind of serving as a volunteer on the, the steering committee and then the board of directors of the Pennsylvania Peer Support Coalition. Uh, but at the same time, you were doing some pretty exciting things on, on your professional life uh, as well. And let's shift gears and talk about that a little bit. You mentioned in your introduction that you are the founder of a peer-run, peer-provider agency. Can we talk about that a little bit? How did you come about doing that? And if I'm not mistaken, you were the first in the state to be a peer-run, uh, peer-provider agency. Yes, that shocked me too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, it's almost like you know, all the stars were aligned in the right uh, formation. Uh, the uh, the organization that I, I spoke of earlier, the Consumer Satisfaction Team in Lancaster County that evolved to Recovery Connections. I was the director there uh, at one point, and it was at the time, well, actually, I started there as the office manager, 
and uh, there was a, a, a director there. And it was right when um, the state, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, OMSA started talking about peer support and what it was going to look like and, and what were some of the challenges that providers may face and how could different agencies bring on a staff of peer supports and what would that look like and you know what uh, would there be any um, feelings of people being threatened by their jobs by having certified peer specialists you know come on in working in agencies and so the the director uh, the executive director of, of uh, recovery connections at that time completed an application for both of us to serve on a, a work group for own sauce. And they were looking for a consumer and they were looking for a family member. So he filled out the applications for both of us. And I had both roles, the consumer and the family member. And he had the consumer and we were both selected. So that brought us to the table with a lot of lived experience. And um, it was amazing that was the, my first experience really of working what I felt was like really high level, high level uh, decision makers on a state level uh, and uh, talking about an opportunity for a career for individuals with mental health diagnosis and being a family member and being one myself with a diagnosis, I was really excited about it. I was over the top excited and wanted to see this happen. And again, like I said, you know, we, we were asked, you know, what, what challenges did we see? What benefits did we see? And I was very vocal and you know, just common sense things to me uh, that I had experienced both as an individual receiving services and a family member. And so, you know, sitting around that table was awesome. And uh, I had uh, team meetings at Recovery Connections uh, after the executive director at that time resigned, the board of directors asked me if I would consider the director position. And of course I did. I, you know, was really excited about everything that was going on and being able and being respected um, for my lived experience was all new to me. And um, I wanted to do whatever I could to help help other people to um, have opportunities. So um, that happened. And after I learned at the state level what was um, being developed for um, individuals, you know, it, having a career that had a diagnosis, I had a, a team meeting at um, Recovery Connections with the with the staff, and I said, "Hey, you know, this is what's going on, and you know, everybody around this table is going to have an opportunity for for a career that you can do, you know, whatever you want with it, and you're going to be able to support people." and and everybody was so excited, like, where do we sign up? You know, how do we do this? And everything was at the ground level at that time. But there were actually uh, team members of that uh, Recovery Connections that did become certified peer specialists whenever the everything got settled. And uh, so as time was evolving and I went to many meetings and, and conferences and then the state started talking about the, the um 
peer support becoming a billable service. Well, the Board of Directors at Recovery Connections fortunately received a, a grant, I guess like a pilot program from Lancaster County Behavioral Health Service and said, you know, let's try this peer support service and see what it's like under the umbrella of a consumer satisfaction team. And, um, and it was really successful. And, uh, and it was, like I said, it provided a, a different uh, career path for those that were serving as surveyors um, for the consumer satisfaction team that was known as Recovery Connections. So um, when it became a Medicaid billable service, of course, you know, everybody at the state level, county level, everybody tries to utilize the dollars that they have the best way they can. And when it became billable, the county, the HDS said, well, you know, we would like for you to become a billable service. Well, it was really, um, we were an agency that surveyed providers. So we could not be a billable provider and deliver services as because we did surveys of those providers. So we couldn't do both roles. As much as I argued and tried to say, well, what if we made an arm over here? And what if we did this? And I was just brainstorming how we could keep it going. And um, because I loved it so much. And, uh, and the board of directors um, said uh, they, wanted to, they wanted to have a meeting. I was always invited to attend the meetings, but they wanted to have a meeting without me, which made me very nervous. And, <laughs> and they did, and uh, they called me in after they met and they said, um, we, really, um, we would really like to see the peer support service provided in, in Lancaster County. And we wanna know um, what your thoughts are on what a budget would look like for, um, for an organization that would run a peer support program. And I thought, okay, well, maybe there's hope. Maybe they're thinking that there can be another arm built off of Recovery Connections. So I did, I did the budget and the next uh, board meeting, I presented the budget and they kept firing questions at me, like, well, how did you come up with this? And how did you come up with that cost? And I had an answer for all of them. You know, I did research and kind of found out, uh, you know, so my numbers were pretty accurate. And, uh, and then they said uh, they wanted to talk alone again. And then they called me back in again. And they said, um, we want to know what you think of starting um, a peer support service on your own. Um, another, an organization of your own. Well, I about fell off my chair because I never ever thought that I could do anything like that, never in a million years. And, but I had people around that table that um, said that they would help me. And I, they just validated me beyond any comprehension of mine and thought, is this real? You know, are you, are you just, are, this can't be real. And uh, they said, you know, the budget that you developed is, is accurate. And we think, you can, we think you can do it and we'll help you along the way, whatever we can do. And they did. And the county, um, uh, the uh, deputy director, who is still the deputy director now, Julie Holtry, I had a meeting with her and she asked me a lot of questions that, you know, were challenging. And did I think of this? And did I think of that? And 
you know, this is really, you know, you understand you're going to leave a, a full-time job that you have benefits and you're going to go out on your own and you don't know if it's going to work. And are you sure you want to do this? And, and uh, I, you know, really cautioning me. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, I do. I want to give it a try. <laughs> and, um, and she says, okay, well, you know, we'll do what we can to help support you. And then I had to have a meeting at um, CABHC, the Capital Area Behavioral Health Collaborative, who is kind of the oversight for perform care. Uh, and so I had to have a meeting with them and explain what my idea was, why I thought it could work. And they, again, you know, cautioned me and said, did you think of this? And did you think of that? And I'm, yeah, I did. I, I thought of that. And uh and I finally came to the conclusion, you know, um, well, not finally, I always had it in my mind that I didn't, I didn't visualize it as if it didn't work, it was a failure. I, I looked at it as if I tried it and there was something not working, I was going to try to find a solution to make it work. I think that took the fear away. There was times in my life, many times, where I didn't have much of anything. So, you know, I kind of been there, done that with nothing. So if it didn't work, I, I, could, I knew I could survive with very little. So I was willing to take the risk. And I did get a lot of support, unbelievable support from Elm Sauce. You know, I, it, it was just unbelievable from the county, from the board of directors, it just, if I didn't know how to fill out a paper that I needed to fill out that the state wanted, I mean, they, I literally met with people in the OMSAS office, <laughs> helped me figure it out. I met with um, the, uh, I think the administrator at that time of Perform Care, and uh, I had paperwork to fill out for there. And I'm like, I'm not sure what they mean by that question. And she sat down with me and, and explained it and helped me with that paperwork because I never ventured into anything like this, but I knew what all the rules and guidelines were. And I've always been kind of a rule follower. So if you give me a list of rules and you give me a list of guidelines, I'll, to the very best of my ability, follow them. <laughs> and, uh, and so Recovery Insight, the name Recovery Insight of the organization that I, that I founded, um, the name came from one of the um, one of the surveyors from Recovery Connections. I sat down with her. She's a, a tremendous writer. Her name's Mary Mary Bowen. She was also a certified peer specialist. And uh, I said, Mary, I got to come up with a name. I've got to get you know, I've got to I've got to get an attorney. I've got to get all this stuff, but I need a name. And she says, Well, what what's your vision? What's it look like? And I and I told her. And uh, she came up with Recovery Insight, and, and I loved it. So, yeah, I get excited when I talk about it. And, you know, Recovery Insight, like I said, it's been in existence since 2010. And um, it's uh, required many, many, many certified peer specialists, a lot of opportunities for employment, a lot of opportunities for the career ladder, it's been tremendous. And I am a very strong advocate for freestanding peer support services. Very strong advocate. 
it's so empowering and it's so possible for individuals that have a mental health diagnosis to do it and you know develop it the way the way um, you want to see services being provided and um, just follow the guidelines and follow the rules and work really, 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 really hard and create a fabulous team. And then you're not doing all, all the work. The whole team is doing the work for the same effort, you know, developing the mission, the vision, and just letting that guide, guide the corporation. That's all you do. And, um, and don't, uh, you know, don't uh, steer away from that. That's a, an awesome story, um, an awesome journey. Uh, it's been it, a ride. <laughs> <laughs> it took and an I, incredible was, amount of bravery too. I just want to say like you're giving credit to all of these people who helped you along the way, which is great. But I think the amount of bravery it took to just take those steps is really impressive. So I just want to say that. Thank you. Sorry, Dave. No, no, it's okay. I was going to say I, I played a small part in that journey because I did work for Diana for a little bit as a as a peer specialist and a peer specialist supervisor. Uh, for Recovery Insight. So I'm a little biased towards her agency. Um, but it really is a fascinating story. And, and I don't think that there's enough peer-owned and operated agencies. I mean, you you started the first one, and there's been a few others since you, but I we could definitely use more. Um, so hopefully people listening to this podcast, maybe someone will hear that story and say, hey, this is something I can do. And I want to do, and and I loved what you said. Um, <laughs> I used to work at uh, Henry Ford Museum in Greenville Village back in uh, in Dearborn, Michigan, and uh, there's a huge Thomas Edison influence there. And so one of the quotes I learned while working there was an Edison quote that when he was trying to develop the light bulb, he he said he didn't fail a thousand plus times. He discovered a thousand plus things that didn't work. Um, and uh, I love that attitude that you shared. It's very similar. You know, you you didn't go into it thinking if it doesn't work, it was a failure. You went into it thinking if something didn't work, you were going to find a solution, um, you know, and just recognize that that particular way wasn't the right way, but you were going to find something that did work. So I think that's an awesome uh, uh, attitude to have just in, in life in general. Yeah. But I... I like you said, uh, Dave and, um, and Becky, I mean, it's, uh, we really, I think, um, well, number one, I can't thank you enough for this opportunity. It's like I said, I, I am a strong, very strong advocate for individuals who, um, who want uh, to uh, develop their own organization um, to do it. And, and I think that being validated, respected, um, being offered hope, uh, all of that plays into whatever an individual with a mental health diagnosis wants to do. There are so, so many opportunities, um, whether it be in peer support, any kind of business. Um, I just, you know, my... You know, I just always say to myself, you don't know, you know, unless you try, you don't know. And um, you don't have to have a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of money um, to start uh, Recovery Insight. 
one of the advantages that I did have was, was I had a home that I could get an, uh, a home equity loan on. And, um, you know, so that uh, I could hire a few staff in the beginning um, and, you know, kind of figure things out. But um, uh, it doesn't take a lot. It really doesn't. I mean, when, you know, I, I have friends who are looking to start up some uh, uh, businesses that take a lot of startup money, like, you know, uh, a million and a half, $2 million to start up a business, um, a, a pretty big business. And um, you don't need that much money to start a peer support service. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> but uh, you have to have really trusting people and uh, people who believe in the mission and the vision and really have a heart for it, you know? And, uh, and I learned along the way, you know, that um, what I wanted to do to, was to be able to help people. And I mean, I think that's in the heart of all certified peer specialists um, of wanting to help people. But what I learned is, um, I, I was of the nature of, of my personal nature of, of uh, not knowing um, when help um, could hurt. So, you know, that's important to know too. I think just as a certified peer specialist, you know, there's so many that, uh, that uh, individuals, certified peer specialists that I've hired that during the interviews, you know, I wanna help people, I wanna help people. I hear that all the time, but, um, you know, because that's what I wanted to do. And so I hear what they're saying, um, but it, the, uh, the helping profession is um, knowing uh, how to support people to do things that they can do and provide that encouragement and believing and hoping and carrying that for them until they believe it. Because that's what people did for me. I didn't think I could. I mean, I was, I, I can't, I don't see how this could be. You know, what do you mean? You're talking about me? Well, that's what a certified peer specialist does in providing support to anybody. You know, believing in them and listening to them. And, uh, and that's um, so incredibly important. And, and you learn lessons over the years. Um, and uh, I think it's absolutely amazing when you listen to somebody and, and you hear what they're saying and what you kind of got to, you have to pick out what their hopes and dreams are and just focus on that. And that's peer support. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, move on to a, a slightly different topic. Um, I mean, I think the, the story of how Recovery Insight was started is fascinating and, and super inspiring. Uh, but you've now been in business for 12 years. I know you, you started in Lancaster County, but I believe you've expanded to other counties as well. Uh, so you've had some decent success over the past few years. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. That's kind of exciting <laughs> because um, that was something that, um, well, I don't do things um, typically in my life period um, very fast. I'm kind of like the, the turtle, you know, <laughs> but uh, very slow and methodical. And um, when Recovery Insights started, 
I receive phone calls from different agencies that are in existence right now. Well, one of them, you know, wanted me to, uh, one recovery insight to kind of come under their umbrella. There were a couple counties that called that wanted recovery insight to provide service in their counties. And I tell you what, at that time when I was getting those calls, I was still trying to figure out how to put a check in the copier or so that I could write a paycheck for the staff. It was like, I, I can't do anything more than I'm doing. You know, I'm doing all the billing. I'm doing all the payroll. And, you know, it's like, I can't imagine going into another county. And, and unless I was confident um, in what I was doing in one county where I knew I had a lot of support, I wasn't ready to go anywhere else. And certainly didn't want to go under the umbrella of anyone <laughs> because I wanted to figure this out for myself first. I didn't want somebody telling me what, what they wanted. So eventually um, it was, uh, gosh, I don't even remember the year now. It's probably maybe five years now, maybe five years ago. Um, there was a uh, request for proposal for um, Lank Lebanon County, a request for proposal to provide certified peer specialist services in that county. So um, I was ready. I we, we had it down pretty good. The team there really knew what they were doing and things were rolling along. I had at that then at that time had all the right people hired in all the right spots to do the stuff that I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so like get those, you know, paychecks in and <laughs> and printed correctly. So I didn't didn't have to waste too many checks. <laughs> so um that was that was interesting. But so yeah, so Lab, so we uh, Recovery Insight uh, received the uh, uh, the contract to provide peer support services in Lebanon County, and we still are, and uh, and that's been that's been fun. Uh, the latest opportunity, and and there's been other opportunities along the way that I I really felt we were not ready for, or it just it was very picky, I guess. You know, how is this going to work? I can't. I couldn't quite wrap my head around some opportunities that people were presenting to me. And so one thing that I said in Lancaster County, probably from the time that I started working at the consumer satisfaction team, which was in 2004 or five, um, was that I thought a warm, they needed a warm line, uh, really needed a warm line because I know there were times in my life I wish I had a warm line and uh, to call. So at every county meeting, whenever there was a stakeholder meeting and uh, the deputy director would say, you know, can anybody think of any services that Lancaster County could benefit from? My hand went straight in the air and she knew it was coming. And I said, a warm line, a warm line, a warm line. <laughs> and I then became involved in the in the community in community support program, CSP. And there again, you know, what, what does Lancaster County need? And, you know, my voice was right there. And uh, so lo and behold, this year, Lancaster County got some funding for uh, crisis services that uh, they were able to utilize some of the funding for Warm Line. Yeah, it, it happened for Recovery Insight. I, I just can't believe that it's a small, it's a small grant. Um, it's plenty enough to get a Warm Line started. It's just a two-year grant, 
but we're going to have the ability to um, work closely with the with the crisis intervention. Uh, we're going to be able to um, connect with them. Like if we're talking to an individual that you know is in crisis, we can connect them very quickly. And if crisis gets a call where you know they're picking up that a person really needs a warm line, they'll connect it over to the warm line. So it's a beautiful marriage. I mean, it's just gorgeous the way they set it all up and um, it's perfect alignment. So, um, so that happened. And yeah, that was something Recovery Insight is just so thrilled about starting. And of course, you know, now we have the pandemic and all of that. So there's been some hiccups along the way, but, um, but we're excited to have that opportunity. And yeah, I kind of like to have opportunities now that we're ready. Um, and I think really have proven that um, uh, the reputation of Recovery Insight is, is very good. And, and I really um, can attribute all of that to the team at Recovery Insight and to our mental health professional that we work closely with. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it runs very well and uh, ready to look at other counties if other counties are interested. I've contacted some other counties. Interestingly enough, I'm told um, we don't need any any peer support there. They don't need it. I'm like, what? <laughs> you don't need it? Really? <laughs> so, yeah. but that's a challenge. You know, I love a challenge. So we'll keep plugging at it. <laughs> Absolutely. Becky, did you have any questions? Um, well, I guess the one that's on my mind most is just what these challenging times since you brought up the pandemic um what kind of challenges that's causing you to face as an organization and what ways you're responding to that and others could benefit from that's a good question Becky so what challenges are we facing staffing whenever the CDC you know recommended you know that the social distancing and and then, you know, it got to the point where, you know, no face-to-face -face services could be provided. And, you know, Recovery Insight is a mobile face-to-face -face service. And um, so we, we, need to we needed to utilize just telephone and uh, to provide peer support services. And, you know, some folks, uh, one of the challenges were that um, there's some folks that receiving services that, you know, don't have that many minutes on their phones. You know, so that was tough. You know, how do you how do you provide support when there's no minutes on the phone and you can't see somebody face to face? So, you know, there was uh, that that was huge. That was really huge. It was also huge uh, shift for the certified peer specialists who were so used to providing face to face service. You know, seeing someone, you know, looking at their body language and you know eye to eye, I mean, there's just nothing better than that. And, you know, how do you shift that into doing a phone service? So there needed to be some internal training, which we did uh, for the team, like, you know, the uh, kind of just questions, you know, what would, what kind of questions would you ask that, you know, would be different or uh, some ideas that, that would fall in the line of, of, supporting someone's uh, individual recovery plan, uh, but how would you do that? What would that look like? 
And so, you know, we had to work through some of that and the team really did it themselves with different ideas, you know, uh, all sorts of creative ideas. That was a huge challenge. And then of course, you know, now we're to the point where we can go back face to face where we got to that point. But now several on our team have COVID even though they've gotten the vaccines. And so, you know, everybody's kind of like on alert again, you know. In the meantime, you know, their, the telephone service was billable, what always was billable for peer support um, up to 25% uh, of the service provided in, in a year could be telephone. But, you know, when we were in the middle of the severe uh, pandemic, that there was no limit. Uh, there couldn't be any limit because that's all we could do was provide telephone peer support. Well, now that's reinstated again. And so now you know, we have staff that have COVID, you know, they need to be quarantined, um, but yet they're well enough to be able to provide the service. So, you know, how do you balance that? You know, try, that's, a, that's a balance of monitoring the, the percentage. And, and then, you know, if it is, we also have the ability to, to do Zoom, which is fine. You know, we can do that. But not everyone that we provide service to has the technology uh, to do uh, that kind of service, which would be phenomenal if they could. And some, you know, not only don't have the technology, but if they did, they would really need training on how to use it. And how do you do that, you know, if you can't be face-to-face to teach someone? So that, uh, right now, that is one of the challenges. The, I think the greatest challenge that we have and from other agencies that provide peer support, I don't think this is uh, just typical to Recovery Insight, but it's uh, the lack of certified peer specialist. Uh, We really need um, to hire more certified peer specialists. And what has happened, and I believe it's as a result of the pandemic where not only peer support services, but all providers, you know, physical health, mental health, all providers um, have had this, um, this gap in services, you know, for during the pandemic. And so, Certified peer specialists um, have not been able to um, maintain their own wellness for various reasons, either from a provider side um, of not having availability. During during this entire time, um, I believe, I'm not sure the number exactly, but I believe it's something like six or seven certified peer specialists were hired at Recovery Insight by Zoom interviews and, and all, you know, training by Zoom and everything, and they're no longer employed. And it's all as um, a result of, of their own, you know, mental health issues that, you know, they, they were struggling with. And it was, it was just too difficult to maintain their own wellness and support someone else. And I think a lot of that is not really meeting their team not meeting their coworkers, not getting that support every week that, you know, when we get together, you know, um, because it's a very supportive team. So um, it's taken a lot uh, from talking in a provider seat, you know, it's 
it's taking a lot of resources to hire, to train, and to support a certified peer specialist in um, working with them so they can, um, you know, decrease hours, you know, to see, well, is this going to help if you know, decrease hours and only work this many, you know, to try to help support them so they could do what they really wanted to do to be a certified peer specialist. But from a provider standpoint, when you look at that, that's so many resources, so many staff hours for training and, and you know, just it, it was just, it's been very, very difficult with resources being utilized and very little productivity. And yeah, as a business, you got to talk about that. You know, billable hours is what uh, provides the opportunity for increasing wages. They, you know, that's Recovery Insights vision, you know, to pay livable wages to certified peer specialists. And with the pandemic, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, how is this going to happen? And um, we've been fortunate, you know, with uh, some financial support and uh, have been able to not only maintain the team that we have, but, uh, you know, have actually been able to increase some wages. So, you know, that's quite, that's amazing, but uh, it's been very challenging. And I, and I've got to give it to the give it to the team because at Recovery Insight, I'm very transparent. Um, they say transparent to a fault, but I believe we are a team and, and they deserve to know what's going on. Um, they're, they're a part of, you know, I tell them, you know, you, you, you can do what you want here. You know, you can make the amount of money you want to make, but I can't make that happen. <laughs> You know, there's people out there that need services and, you know, you got to maintain your wellness and you really want to do this and follow the mission and vision and, and it's there for you. But that's right now, it's very difficult to find certified peer specialists that are maintaining their wellness. Very difficult. Yeah, I have to admit, uh, I had my own slip up with my wellness during the pandemic, probably in large part due to the pandemic. Um, and so I feel like I can relate to that, but I also appreciate the challenges that it causes providers. Like I worked for a peer run provider at the time. So mm-hmm. I feel terrible that that didn't work out well, but you know, I, I think that the idea that peer run providers are the best at supporting their staff as peers, mm-hmm. I think is true across the board, at least in my experience, I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of peer providers be very good with their staff. So I appreciate that you guys are out there doing that. Yeah. And, you know, the thing too is, you know, I kind of get on my soapbox from time to time about, and Becky, you said it, you know, how supportive a peer run agency is. But, you know, I worked um, in the corporate world for many, many, many years, many years. And I was so supported as an employee that I actually modeled Recovery Insight from the corporates, corporations that I worked for. Because it's a peer-run organization or a peer-owned organization, it doesn't make it any different on how you treat employees. You know, I worked in the corporate world. I was treated with dignity and respect. I was paid a, a 
a livable wage. I had my mental health diagnosis, but I couldn't tell anybody about it. You know, that's the difference. Couldn't tell anybody. But I'm I'm often asked, and, and it shocks me when I'm asked, like, well, how do you treat your staff because they have mental health diagnosis? And I sit back and I I kind of, well, my facial expressions tell everything. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you, know, you know, we're people. You're talking to one right now. You know, how do you treat me? It's like, it's so, it's just, you don't treat a certified peer specialist any different because they're a certified peer specialist as an employee than you would any other employee. And uh, I, I find that uh, organizations that hire certified peer specialists that are not peer-owned, peer-run, haven't quite figured that out yet. They struggle with that. Very well said. So we're, uh, we're coming up on about an hour of uh of time so we're we're running out of time we have a few minutes left do you have anything else you want to share diana before we wrap up i think you guys did a great job at asking me questions congratulations um to the coalition becky you've been a tremendous asset uh since you've been part of the staff and uh dave at the helm and you know so many others uh it it's been incredible and like i said just you know, being asked to do this podcast, you know, by an organization that was non-existent at one time, <laughs> you know, I mean, as, as a 501c3, it just blows my mind. So um, thanks to you guys for what you do and hard work that you do and in getting uh, advocating for peer support services. Well, thank you, Diana. Yeah, um, thank you, Diana. I've known you for a long time. So I've, I've known your story and kind of your journey. And I'm really happy that we've been able to give you a platform to kind of share that with a wider audience, because I think it's a fascinating and inspiring uh, story uh, and journey that you've had in your life. And there's some stories that I know I've heard you share at uh, other trainings and at other presentations you've done that uh, we didn't get to today. So maybe we can have you on again and you can share some more of those stories because they really are fascinating and again, inspiring. Thank you for being here. Um, thank you to my co-host, Becky. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening to Diana's story. Um, and uh, stay tuned for additional episodes upcoming. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care of yourselves. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>